Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to episode 257 of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. A brain tumor is a collection or mass of abnormal cells in your brain, but how quickly a brain tumor grows can vary greatly. The growth rate as well as location of a brain tumor determines how it will affect the function of your nervous system. And approximately one quarter of a million people around the world are diagnosed with brain cancer each year. And in the U.S., the five-year survival rate is 33%. And joining us to tell us her remarkable story of how she conquered brain cancer is Sherri-Ann Baker, who is from Alberta, Canada. Sherri-Ann, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me on the show. Sherri-Ann, what symptoms were you experiencing prior to going to the doctor for a diagnosis? Okay, well, what happened was I didn't have any symptoms um, until I had a, well, what, what, what actually happened was I was at a parade and um, as soon as the parade was over, I stood up and as soon as I stood up, I just, I felt really out of it. Um, and, you know, I, I smoke cannabis, so I know what it feels like to be out of it, but I just didn't feel that kind of out of it. I, I felt like I was out of my body is kind of how I felt. I knew I was physically in my brain, but I just didn't feel like I was in my body. But anyway, I didn't say anything to my girlfriend, and we just kind of started strolling down the road. And as we were walking down the road, I would walk with my – put my left foot down on the on the road, and I'd have no problem. But as soon as I put my right foot down, I – started to fall and then my girlfriend kind of grabbed me like and looked at me strange and I'm like oh I looked down and I thought maybe I had stepped off the sidewalk but I hadn't I was clearly still on the on the solid on the ground and so anyway I walked again with my put my left foot down and then I went to put my right foot down again and once again it was like I was stepping into a pool of water and I just there was no solid ground so right away she was a nurse and she's like oh, that's not good and I said she wanted to take me to the hospital right away and um, you know I just said no let's just go back to your place and and we'll see how I feel. So by the time we walked, I guess it was about two blocks to my car. Um, by the time we got to my car, um, I could I, I knew inside there was a big issue happening, but I didn't want to say anything to her. Whether I didn't want to say anything, or I, I just don't think I could. By the time we got to my car, um, she was jumping in my car. I was driving, and she jumped into my car, and um, I was paralyzed just totally paralyzed. I was in my brain, but I couldn't move. I couldn't, I couldn't get my feet to move. I could get my hands to move. And, um, she, I don't think was, didn't, I, I really don't know. Cause I was just kind of focused on me, but it, it seemed like I was standing there for about five minutes before she said, Sherry Ann, are you getting in the car? And then I just started to cry. And I said, Lori, I can't move. And she just jumped out of my car, out of the passenger side, and ran over to the driver's side and, and says, what do you mean you can't move? And I just I just stood there crying. I said, I can't move. 
So her being a nurse, she just grabbed me by the shoulders and she walked me, literally had to walk me and force me over to the passenger side. She had to push me into my car, lift up my feet, push me, like swing me around and shut my door. Like I was totally paralyzed at this point. So thank God the hospital was only about two blocks um, from where we were. She zoomed up to the hospital. I remember us pulling into the emergency. She ran over and got a wheelchair because at this point, like I said, I was paralyzed. She got a wheelchair, plunked me in the wheelchair, and she ran me into the hospital and um, told the nurse what was happening. And then by time... Um, the, the nurse had come and got me, and that's that's the last thing I remember. I can't remember anything after that. And then all I was told was she, by the time she went and um, moved my car from the emergency parking lot into the regular parking lot and came back into the hospital, she said there was about seven um, doctors all around me, and I had a grand mal seizure for about eight minutes. And her being a nurse, she was allowed to go right in. And um, so, yeah, so I guess they were able to um, calm me down down, I guess, whatever they do with your grand mal seizure. And I sat in that hospital in Cranbrook, BC for three days and they had no idea what was going on. They, they thought either I had had a stroke, um, that, that day or maybe a few days prior, they weren't sure. And, um, so I was frustrated with them not knowing um, what was going on. And they had no MRI machine uh, at that hospital, only a scan. Um, and they could see there was a le lesion on my brain, but they still weren't sure what it was. So I, um, I just, um, I admitted myself out of the hospital and I drew, drove back to Lethbridge. And um, that's when I started um, contacting doctors here. And it took me, that was June 18th, 2017. It took me until August to actually see a neurologist who told me, as soon as I just told him what was going on with me, he said, you have a brain tumor, just like that. Mm. And just like that. And then he got up from his desk and he walked over to his another phone and he called the hospital, was able to get me into the uh, Lethbridge Hospital the following day to confirm. Um, I went in. Um, and I always like to watch the, the nurses or doctors, whoever it is that does the MRIs. And I like to watch their faces. And I knew as soon as I saw that, that doctor's face, there's something going on. And so, um, anyway, um, my doctor told me to come back on, on Friday and, uh, I went in and he said, yes, you do have a, uh, brain tumor, the size of a golf ball. Um, gave me a prescription for Keppra so that he didn't have another seizure because it was the size of a golf ball in my brain. And that's what was happening. And it finally triggered. It was grown so big that it triggered um, the, the, the seizure, which, of course, gave me the warning to go and see a doctor and figure this out. So um, as soon as that was the Friday, as soon as that uh, we we figured it out it was a brain tumor, he sent me right up to Foothills um, and the gong show started. I pretty much can say with the medical community because I just kept falling through the cracks. I mean, it was one after the other, after the other, after the other. And that's when I realized if I wanted to live, I had to take my, my health into my own hands because they were just, I was just a number. And, um, you know, like I had a really great surgeon who was able to get 97% of the tumor out of my brain, but um, I just kind of fell through the cracks. Like they kept like missing my dates and my appointments and my MRIs and so on and so forth. But anyway, let me just, sorry, can, I, I got off track. Just, let me continue my story. Here. Yeah, Sherry, and what was it like for you uh, in terms of your, your emotions when the doctor told you you had a brain tumor? 
Um, you know what? Let me tell you. I'm a very spiritual person, and I have since I was a, a, a little, little girl. Um, I believe in angels. I believe in life um, reincarnation. I believe there is a life after death. Um, and the day before um, I went in for the results um, of uh, to see sorry, the neurologist, mm-hmm. um, I went for Chinese food. And my Chinese cookie said um, to expect the unexpected. So I said to my husband that day, I looked at him and I said, you know, I have cancer, right? And he goes, don't be stupid. You know, they told you it's a stroke. And I said, okay, you just go to work. And I'm just telling you, I'm just warning you, just be prepared because I am. So sure enough, um, when my doctor told me, um, like I said, I'm very spiritual. When he, he told me, you know, Sherry Ann, you have, um, you have a brain tumor, um, and then it turns out he did his practicum where I was born in Red Lake in this small little Indian village in Ontario. So to me, it was kind of like a spiritual thing, like how quickly he got me in for that MRI and everything like that. And he took care of me so quickly. And so to me, um, it was like I, I knew I, I just knew I knew it wasn't just a stroke. I knew it was something much worse than that. So I was prepared. I really was prepared. I think I almost had to console my doctor. He was like, you know, like he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry to tell you this. And I'm like, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's like, this is life, right? And let's just figure out the next step. Like, you know, like, cause we at that point didn't know, I didn't know it was terminal at that point. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, at that point I could just, I had my fingers crossed that it wasn't. So that's the only way you could, you, you have to think that way. Otherwise it'll eat you up. So, so they, I went, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, but so you did surgery. So what happened is, yeah, I went in. Um, yeah. So I, I went in, I went up to Foothills and I met Dr. Kelly. He was my neuro, my neurosurgeon who did my surgery. He was like 35 years old, just a punk. I couldn't believe it. Like doing my surgery. Like I just went anyway, one of the best neurosurgeons, um, in Canada. So I was really happy and lucky about that. So I got to sit down with him and he, he did confirm it was, um, terminal, um, they told me at my diagnosis that I had five to 10 years to live at most. They told me if I did not do chemo and radiation, chances are that I would most likely die in two years. Um, and so I was just like stunned. Sherry, what so, was your, Sherry Ann, what was your actual diagnosis? What type of brain tumor did you have? Oh gosh, I can't even pronounce it. I'll have to spell it for you. Hold on. Let me bring it up. It's a, it's I have a it's Oakley Oglioma Glioma something Thank like that. you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I just usually I've dealt with a, f- a few people with these. I just call it the Oleo brain cancer. Exactly. Okay, perfect. That's what I'll call it. So and it's a grade 2 low grade 2 tumor at the time. So, but like I said, he still only gave me five to 10 years to live at the most, even um, with my tumor removed. Without chemo radiation, he told me chances are I would probably die in two years. So anyway, I was just not happy with that diagnosis. And I said, screw that. Screw that. I've been working out in the gym for 24 years, every day of my life. I eat clean. I don't smoke cigarettes. And I was pissed right off. I wasn't sad. I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. I was mad. I'm the only non-smoker in my family besides cannabis and, and I get cancer. I mean, I, it's in my family. I knew it would come, but I didn't think I'd get it at 46 years old. And, and I've had, I've had migraines since I was five years old, um, been going to my doctor since I was five years old about my migraines, but not one doctor in my entire life did they ever do an MRI. And I'm going to say about the size of that 
tumor, that baby has been in my head for a long time, which makes me happy because to me, it means it's a slow growing tumor, but I'm still not a doctor. I can't say for sure. But ever since I've had my surgery, I have not had one migraine in two and a half years. Interesting. So, Sherry Ann, yeah. once they once they did the surgery, you said the mm-hmm. doctor took out ninety seven percent of it, and three yes. percent was left. What did correct? And they told you that if you didn't have chemo or radiation, you'd have five to ten years. Uh, pardon if me. Told- with without chemo, you'd have two years, but with chemo, said- you'd have. Uh, Five to, five to ten years, ten years maybe, at, most. at the most. At the, at the most. At the most. Yeah. And so That's right. what was the next step for you? Okay, so what happened is as soon as, before I even had the surgery, um, you know, like I, there's absolutely, there's no way. And to the even of this day, I will not do radiation and chemo. Absolutely, 100%, no way. Won't do it. Refuse to. So going in, I knew I had to get rid of that 3% of the cancer. The doctor told me, Dr. Kelly told me, Sherianne, we will be able to get most of this tumor, but it's so close to parts of your brain where it's going to affect your eyesight and your memory. And and um, there was one other thing um, that we won't be able to get it all. And I said, okay, well, you get as much as you can and I'll work on the other half. So what I did is I went down to the Kootenays um, into Nelson where there's a lot of hippies, a lot of cannabis smokers. And I started talking to hippies and I, and I'd met this one gentleman, Alan, and he was the one that started me on the Rick Simpson oil. And he told me, um, about how he'd been helping out these people. And, um, and, and one of these people was one of my friends who actually, his name was Chris, who had um, cancer like me. And he got Chris on this system, on the Rick Simpson oil, as well as, I mean, the Rick Simpson oil is only half of the battle. The other half of the battle is you have to eat clean. Mm-hmm. Ann, before you go any further, can we just clarify that when you say Rick Simpson oil, what we're referring to and what you're referring to is cannabis oil? Is cannabis oil okay, or AKA, you. yeah, well, Phoenix Tears, Rick Simpson oil is cannabis oil. Yes. And so, um, so I let my doctors know what happened. It, sorry, I talked to Alan and, and so what Alan told me is he was giving Chris the Rick Simpson oil and, and also put Chris on this really strict diet. No sugars, carbs, fats, flours, or red meats. Um, as well as he got him on the Budwick diet, which is um, flax, organic flaxseed oil and cottage cheese um, and frankincense um, oil. So I started doing all the same things that Chris was doing. So what happened with Chris is Chris had lung cancer and he had some stints put in him. And what had happened is when Chris had, um, he started losing a lot of weight. And what had happened is um, one of his stints had moved, punctured his lung. And that is what actually killed Chris. When they went in and did an autopsy on Chris, he was cancer free. Right then and there, I knew that was my answer, and there was no going back, and there won't be. So, so, right so you started there, ingesting cannabis oil then? You betcha. In August, as soon as I found out that, in August is when I started taking my cannabis oil. So when I went back to my doctor, my family doctor, I told him, you know, I'm doing what is called Rick Simpson oil, cannabis oil. Um, I'm going to do the two ounces of the can- two ounces of the cannabis oil over the next two months as quick as I can before my surgery on October 3rd to, um, to try and kill as much of my- this tumor as I can. So I had an agreement with my surgeons that if the oil had killed a considerable amount before October 3rd, I was not even going to do my surgery. So um, that morning when they were prepping me, I I started to cry because I didn't think it had killed any of it. But 
lo and behold, it actually had started killing it before my surgery, but not enough that I still had to go through the surgery. So I went through the surgery. Surgery was seven hours on October 3rd, 2017. It was seven hour surgery. It had 22 staples. It was a really clean, amazing operation. Um, kudos to Dr. Kelly, because um, I've seen other people's and, and I was, it was amazing. Um, I woke up right after surgery and all I remember is like being like, holy shit, I'm alive. And I've thrown up my arms and I just wanted to get up and run around. And they were just like, they were shocked. They were shocked on how amazing I felt how well I felt I was eating yeah I was sore my head hurt I had a headache you know it was a big cut on my head but I was eating and I was up and they I was out of the hospital in 26 hours that's how healthy I was they couldn't believe it they literally couldn't believe how amazing I was doing okay so, so you started on the oil prior to them doing your prior, surgery then prior not when yes, there was three percent left no, not when there was 3%. So no, I hold on, let me go on. I, I still still stay, still stayed on it, but let me just, sorry, I don't want to forget this part. I also want to make sure everybody knows this too. It's important because um, Rick Simpson, or sorry, uh, let me go back and say, call it cannabis oil. Cannabis oil will um, incredibly um, reduce your um, blood pressure. So it is really important that you do let your doctors, whether you know your doctors don't agree with it or not, it, it's still your body. It's still, they have to listen to you. So um you have to let your doctors know you're taking it because it does bring your blood pressure down a lot. So when you go into surgery, you do need to get off of it. So with my doctors, because they were so excited at Foothills, like they were like excited. They were so excited to see the results. They said, Sherry Ann, we've seen so many other people coming through here doing cannabis oil and we're seeing really amazing results. And we're so excited to see what's going to happen with you. And and um, so, yeah, they were like they were thrilled. And so, yeah, I had my operation. Like I said, everything went well. They got 97% of my tumor um, gone. And then they, I was admitted out of the hospital the following day. And then as soon as I went home, I started taking my gram to two grams back again of cannabis oil. Okay, um, so you were doing a gram to two grams a day? Per, yes. Okay. Yes, did, I did you do it all the, orally and did you do it divided yes. over doses or what? Because these are the type of I, things people want to know. Yeah, absolutely. I microdose it. So then I do it um, with the oil and I do it on my tongue, under my tongue. So I microdose it. So first thing when I do to get up in the morning, I take all my, my frankincense, my budwig and my pills. Well, just my Kepra because I'm, I don't like the opiates. I'm against the pills. Um, so I, um, yeah, so I put, you know, I put a big, gob under my tongue and I just let it kind of especially with brain cancer it's the best way to put it is is under your tongue so you just kind of let it go through your system and get in there and let it do its job and I do that probably about 10 times the day throughout the whole day um, some people can't some people have to do it right at you know they don't like the, the buzz they don't like to be high where I'm accustomed to it I've been doing it now for two and a half years to me it's 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 just life. I mean, it's no different than taking any of these other pills that they'd probably give you when you take chemo and all that stuff. So when you um, tried it first, Jerry, and were, were you mm -hmm. getting high? And over the course of the last couple of years, the high has dissipated somewhat? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. A long time ago, I did. Oh, because, yeah, I've been doing it now for two and a half years. I do. Yeah, I do a gram to gram and a half a day. Um, so, oh, yeah. And I function just normally. I can drive. I can do everything like a normal person. Can and we talk I mean, about how much you took when you were actually fighting it? Like, 
when you yeah, initially well, did, started out? Yes, I did. I tried to do two ounces in two months before that surgery. So that's what I did. And then after my surgery, um, I just continued doing a gram um, every day. And that's what I do every day now. And then what happened is, um, so a week after my surgery, of course, you got it. You go and you see your radiologist, whatever. And they p- try to push the chemo and radiation. Once again, I said to him, no, I told you before surgery. I am not. Even, don't even want to discuss it. I'm not doing it. So um, anyway, they were kind enough to let me go. <laughs> and I said, just, just if you could, please just schedule me another MRI for the first week in January. Um, that's how, that's how 150% I am that this, that cannabis oil, kills cancer. So I went back on January, I believe it was the 5th to have my MRI. And um, let's put it this way. I knew I was clean the day before because my family doctor never phones me ever to remind me of a doctor's appointment. He phoned me like an hour before he closed the day before and just to remind me about my appointment. So I didn't make anything of it. I didn't tell my mom to get her all excited or anything. I just went in because like, I kind of like doing this stuff on my own. And I went in and I sat down with Dr. Smith and I was a little nervous, you know, I, you know, still a little scared. And um, he just was gabbing about all this other stuff. So finally, I just looked at him. I said, Dr. Smith, what were the results of my MRI? He goes, sherri whatever you're doing, you killed it. And I, I, I swore I'd go like, fucking told you so excuse me but I was so excited and like I was I was just overwhelmed I think I started to cry I tried to high five him and this is my family doctor who told me he, he he told me not to bother right he said don't even bother Sherry Ann that stuff won't work for you you know up in Foothills they were different they had a completely different reaction they were excited to see the results but I can tell you right now my family doctor does know now that it does work even the doctors here at the hot local hospital here are aware of who I am um, and, and what I'm doing and and when I go in they always quiz me they don't even care about whatever other things that I go in there for they just want to ask about so how much cannabis oil do you take and what other protocols do you do and 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 that's what I do. So and I just keep taking the cannabis oil every day. And like I said, I do my budwick and I do the frankincense and I just eat clean. And I do I my main source of food is smoothies. Um, I do like almonds. I, I, I actually buy organic beets and I, I, I'll juice them and I'll freeze them. Mm. And, um, so like every day, that's basically what I have is I'll have five or six smoothies with, with that, like bananas and almonds and, and my beets and my blueberries, and I'll have some fruit and a salad maybe. And that's it. And maybe I'd say every two weeks I might have a piece of chicken but you know what after you eat clean and I mean it's not just for people who have cancer it's for anybody who eats clean every lot of people eat this way a lot of people eat clean you know and it's just it's I feel great I feel amazing I was back in the gym I'd say a week after my brain surgery um, I would walk over to the grocery stores and I would just read labels on the cans to get my reading back because since I've had my brain surgery I haven't heard from any doctors really like I just go and get my regular checkups and anything. And I, and I go in for my regular MRIs and everything like that, but no one really follows up. So that's what I'm saying is you have to be proactive. You have to be your own doctor. You have to listen to your body. You can't listen to what other people say. And even with my doctors telling me this, my diagnosis is five to 10 years. I don't even believe that. I really don't. I really don't. I feel amazing. I've ne- I, 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 like when people say and look at me and I think they sometimes think I'm faking it. I'll just show them a picture of my scar or, or, or whatever. And then they'll know I'm, you know, I'm being truthful. 
But I really do believe that, you know, cannabis cures. I mean, like even like even after my brain surgery and when I got home and I'd be sitting on my couch, I could clear, I could hear my brain like growing back together. It was the oddest thing, but I, I don't know. I just, you know what, you're not, you're not the first person that said that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We've talked to other people who, they have this, this sense, this feeling in their brain that, that something's happening. happening. Yeah. That they can actually feel it. it. Yeah. I could hear it. I could hear it. It was like a crackling in my brain. And I'd be like, that's the weirdest shit. Like I look at my ex-husband, I go, can you hear that? And he'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, and even and another thing, even I used to smell and I, I used to smell the, the cancer in my brain. You could smell and I it. I haven't. I could smell it. When I first got diagnosed, even my dog used to come up and smell my brain all the time. What did and it smell now, like? I don't, I, I don't, I just, a, a weird smell. Yeah. And I would always ask my husband or, or, and I'd say, can you smell that? I'd, like, I'd, I'd get out of the tub and I'd still smell it. I go, can you smell that? And he's like, it's in your imagination. So I think maybe it could be like, you got to remember when you have brain surgery, your senses are so much like my senses were so much like stronger, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, people's, oh, people who smelled really smelled and like everything. I'd go to the <laughs> gym and I had to get off a machine because that person would smell really bad, but it was just my senses. I mean, they're a lot better now now but yeah like the cannabis oil like it just it i like i tell people like it it just it's it heals like i mean come on i mean there's no other like i mean where did that three percent go like it just doesn't disappear like it is the cannabis oil and it's the eating clean and it's the budwick diet and it's the staying positive like you know like i see so many people who have cancer that just give up and they sit there and eat chocolate bars and they eat the bad things and they and no there is still fight it don't give up don't listen to all these people and just give up there there is there is hope for us i mean look at me come on like seriously like look at look at Corey. look at look at my friends i have so many other friends that um i follow i have a friend d manny she had uh breast cast breast cancer she has this is doing the same thing she's doing the cannabis oil she wrote a book about it she is is cancer free because of cannabis oil um i have my other friend mel um down in la and um same thing. She does cannabis oil and is an activist and is cancer-free because of oil. No radiation, no chemo, eating clean and cannabis oil. Well, one of the things that you mentioned, and Corey and I were talking about this before we started the interview, is that Corey's also suggested to people that besides cannabis oil, you need to take and holistic approach to it. You have to change your diet. You have to start eating Absolutely. clean. Yeah. Everything. You have to change your diet. You have to change the way you're thinking. Mind, body, spirit. Absolutely. A holistic you approach. Yeah. You, you got to become a hippie. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, the stigma is, is the overall stoners. Uh, no, actually, um, we're a lot smarter than all the rest of you because really like we're listening like to, to, to the earth and, and that, and we're, you know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. I mean, cannabis is going back a hundred years ago. Like there's all sorts of proofs and come on, like anybody who says, well, come on, if cannabis oil cures cancer, then why isn't the government panted it? Well, come on, think about it. It's, yeah, it's, you just have to follow, take, follow the money. 
Seriously, yeah. really, right? And you know, it, and what I tell people is, I don't push it on people. I just tell them my story. And you know what? If it works for you, go for it. But for me, when I was told at 40, 46 years old, I had five to ten years to live after being so healthy. I this to me, and knowing Chris was cancer free because of it, this was my answer. And I still like I like I talk to people like I'm moving back to Toronto at the end of the month, and everybody's like, "Oh, can I come over and help you unpack?" Uh, why? Um, I'm really healthy. Trust me. I might be 51, but I can still run circles around you guys, even though I have brain cancer. Seriously, like I, I, I don't even feel like I have cancer. I don't. And if this is what cancer looks like, it looks pretty damn good to me. Well, you don't. You don't have. Us. Yeah, Sherryanne, you don't have <laughs> cancer. And what what else have you noticed as a result of taking cannabis oil that has improved in your life? Just everything. I just the whole quality. I just I'm happier. Um, I've always been though. I've smoked cannabis since I was younger. Okay, and it's funny because as a teenager, my mom always knew I was a hippie, and and when I'd be grouchy, or whatever, my mom would go, "Sherry, I'd go smoke a joint." So that does help, and I, and it helps a lot of people with a lot of depression. Um, you know, um, you know, of course, with with my diagnosis, and and even prior to that, you know, I've always had a, I've always fought a little bit with depression and stuff like that, and it does help. It definitely does help, even if we we just, you know if we t- say take cannabis oil or if we just smoke a joint yeah sometimes we might just sit there and stare out into space but at least we're happy you know my parents were alcoholics and I'm telling you I wish they would have smoked cannabis because what I saw and in growing up as a child was horrific and and I'll tell you cannabis is you know you don't, you don't see you don't see anybody going and and smoking a joint and oh let's go rob a bank are you kidding me that's the last thing people do right like cannabis heals people need to start to know that this is um um, it's a, it's not a miracle drug, like I said, because it's not even a drug. It's a plant, but it does heal. And more people need to start looking at the proof. And and we need to and it's it, it, we need to just get the more proof out there because people won't need to see more scientific proof. And there's so many fake stories out there that we just need to actually um, have more um, scientific proof. There's a crap load of scientific proof out there. There is, but people don't want to believe it. And like I was telling you, Corey, and um, and and I am going to do that. Is um, I'm going to get in touch with that lady that um, contacted me, who wants me to speak at the um, neurologist and tumor conference in Toronto in May. I'm not going to be able to do it this year, but I will. I told her I will do it next year. And Corey, I'm going to get you to come. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to send them all sorts of information after I get off the phone with you today um, because you are the guru. You are um, the person I sent to because I have learned a lot of stuff from you. Um, and if I can't answer a question, which I can't answer a lot of questions because I, I really can't like, I, I, yes, I know how I'm healing myself and stuff, but you have talked to so many people and I sent to so many people to you and more people need to hear your story and more people need to know about you because you are helping millions of people around the world. You've helped yeah. me. And, and yeah, we need to get you out there more. And, um, but yeah, people just need to know that there is more alternatives like this, this conference. And that's what it's about. It's about um, alternative methods to um, fight cancer. And I was really thrilled that the medical community reached out to contact me to actually speak. And I mean, I'd rather you speak, Corey, because you know more um, what you're talking about because you've you've dealt with this a lot longer than I have. And you've and you've spoken to way more people than I have. Um, but it's still it's still thrilling 
thrilling to know that the medical community is finally recognizing cannabis as healing it or as a cure for cancer or all sorts of, you know, you know, depressions or anxiety or, mm-hmm. or anything like all sorts of Sherry, sicknesses. Yeah. Sherry Ann, it's great that uh, you're healthy, you're cancer Thank free you. and uh, you're life- tumor free. Tumor free. Yeah. They say I'm still, they say the cancer that I have, I'll always have it, but they say, yeah, I, I mean, that's what they say. I mean, when I went to the hospital about four months ago, the, the doctor, I went up because I had broken toe. He said to me I was in remission. Um, but other doctors told me I'd never be in remission. But once again, you can't really believe doctors. So let's just say I am super healthy. I am tumor free. And yeah, cannabis heals. Sherry Ann, thanks for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. And you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks, Sherry and Take care. Thanks, Corey. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And that was episode 257 of Cannabis Health Radio. We'd like to thank Ron Zahar, our producer, for his invaluable work because we wouldn't be doing this without Ron. And uh, importantly, Corey, we wouldn't be doing it without listeners. And we thank them very much for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Even though Facebook is still shadow blocking us, we will continue to put out these podcasts as, as long as we can. And with the support of Ron. Yeah, we're very grateful to Ron. And uh, we'd like to thank you listeners for tuning in to Cannabis Health Radio. And if you'd like to contribute to Cannabis Health Radio, you can do so. You can make a one-time donation or on Patreon, you can make a monthly donation. And we thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.